Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, ho, get down. Right on. Bitch, please. Oh, bitch, please, my ass. You want to sign with me? Dig that. Oh, hell yeah. She's a bad man. I'm a black man in a white world. I'm a black man in a white world. If I wasn't a Christian man, I'd probably be kicking in your ass. I'm a black man in a white world. I'm a black man in a white world. I'm a black man. Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of the JB's Low Tech Podcast. Well, today I will introduce you to a rising star. Well, a rising coaching star. Here next on the JB's Low Tech Podcast. In Pennsylvania, a teenage girl that was about to turn 18 was driving her brand new car home when she looked down to check a text message and struck a tree, killing herself and injuring a friend in the car. The average message takes 4.6 seconds to create. Hi, I'm Mike Bryant from Bradshaw and Bryant. Please don't drive while intoxicated or allow your friends and family to do so. No text message or phone call is worth dying for. Find Mike Bryant at minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Mike Bryant, seeking justice for the injured. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the JB's Low Tech Podcast. And as I stated earlier before we went to commercial, I stated we would be speaking with a rising star. And then I also claimed a rising star in the coaching world. She is a rising star in the softball coaching world. She has um, taken every step along the way from being a big-time player to a uh, professional player to a uh, an assistant coach 
to assistant head coach, and now she is now the head coach at the University of Minnesota softball. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to welcome Piper Ritter. How are you doing, Piper? Good. Thank you for that introduction, Jamie. That was <laughs> nice. I don't know if I'm a rising star, but I've definitely been at Minnesota for a long enough time for some people to know who I am. <laughs> so I, my first question, and I'm embarrassed to even ask this. Okay. When you were a player, you were all Big Ten, right? Yes. Okay. Were you All-American? I was never an All-American. I was All-Region. Okay. Well, All-Region. Well, that's still a, that's big time, especially, you know, because the program definitely wasn't where it is now. So. Um, so speaking of your origin story, where did you grow up? Um, I grew up in a small town in Farmington, New Mexico. And, um, you know, when recruiting came along, you know, a lot of former Farmington, New Mexico high school graduates actually came to Minnesota and I wasn't really looking at Minnesota as one of the places that I wanted to go to school. I wanted to go somewhere different than no one had been. But I did take one of my official visits here at the University of Minnesota and I fell in love. I fell in love with the city. I fell in love with the fact that the the campus is big. It's as big as you want, but it's also, you know, it could be little if you want. It's right downtown, so you can go to a Twins game. Um, everything about it kind of attracted me. So, you know, here I am a lot of later. Well, I was wondering how you wound up here. Um, I, I didn't know the name of the small town that you grew up in, but um, um, I always wondered why you wound up here. You know, it's being as good as, as you were. Uh, as a player. Um, so where did your love of the game come from? Uh, kind of an interesting story. I, I grew up playing sports. I've naturally liked every sport. Um, I was the kid that would watch the Olympics and then go out and practice whatever Olympic event I watched on TV. Uh, my parents used to laugh about that, um, <laughs> that I would, I would do things like that when I was younger. So I love sports. I love to watch them. Um, I was a big time swimmer when I was younger. My mom was my swim instructor and swim uh, coach. But okay. um, growing up, I, I got a little not bored of swimming, but your head's in the water. You don't get to, you know, talk right. a lot of talk to people, get to do things like that. So for me, when, you know, a, a team sport came along and softball came along and I was not very good at it, came along, it was a challenge for me. And I, I love the fact that. At practice, you got to talk to people the whole time. So that, you know, I guess in my early teens drew me to it. And then the fact that my little high school had a very good softball team and I wanted to be as competitive as I could, I guess I stuck with it. Um, who was the biggest influence back then? Was it your coach, your dad, your... Um, I, I, I would probably say it was my coach just because he taught me how to pitch, Gary Graham. Um, he taught me how to pitch and so, and I was not a very good softball player. So I, I would, I would think that the biggest influence was probably Gary Graham. And then my parents, because obviously they took me to, they let me go to whatever sporting event I wanted to go to or play. And they, you know, hauled me around. So, you know, without them, I wouldn't have got to experience all those sports that I played and decided on softball. And, um, so you, uh, played in high school, and you wound up here at the uh, University of Minnesota. And um, then you went on and played women's professional softball. Um, 
How is women's professional softball now compared to when you played? You know, I, I think that, you know, I've gotten to watch it, obviously. I, I do, for some reason, I feel like they're better. Obviously, I think our sport, <laughs> everyone who plays it is better than when I played. So, first and foremost, they are great players. I think second, they've limited it. So, with Athletes Unlimited, they've made the, like, 60, 60 people are on the team. I, when I played, um, I loved it. We were just a little bit more spread out or, across the country and there weren't quite as, there were some teams, but it was harder to get to. And so I do think they've just kind of narrowed the, the size of the amount of athletes that are playing, which isn't always great, but it has made it really, really competitive. And, so, and we, go ahead, continue. I said, I said the opportunity is awesome, whether it was when I got to play back then to um, what they get to do now. So, Yeah, and, and um, for a university like such as ours, which is, um, you know, I don't know how to put this I, because we're now on the map for, <laughs> as far as softball, but we haven't been as long as others. We had uh, two players there, right? We both, Yes. Both pitchers and both protégés of yours. <laughs> Sarah Gronwagen, who just came off a Olympic stint, um, actually went into the Athletes Unlimited this summer. And then Amber Pfizer, who just came off her college her college career, went into Athletes Unlimited. And I do think that that league is very hard on pitching. Um, you change, change teams weekly. Um, so everyone gets to see every pitcher and, you know, that type of thing. And so I do think it's a hitter's game, which is really exciting for us fans, but I think it's, it's a hard, it's a hard game for pitchers, but both of them competed, um, very, very well. And it was fun to watch them. Yeah. And, uh, one, one of those two <clears throat> still owes me an interview, but I'm not going to tell you which one anyway, <laughs> anyway, um, so after your playing days, you you went into personal instruction, right? Where you started uh, teaching uh, young women how to pitch. Yeah, so I right after I got done playing, I played at international a little bit, and then I came back and I actually coached at um, uh, University of Northern Colorado, uh, University of Northern Colorado for one one year type of thing, or I guess it was six months. And then I, I came back up here because I was actually going back to school because I was thinking about going to, into prosthetics and orthotics at Central College. And then the opportunity to come back here and coach at my alma mater as a pitching coach under Lisa Bernstein and Julie Standering kind of came open. And for me, it was, you know, I can get my for my master's, um, what I want to go into, and then I get to stay in the into the game that I love. And little did I know that it it was the right fit and the shoe fit very well. And I didn't realize that, you know, coaching was kind of what I, what I was missing in my life. Um, it's very challenging and actually to get back to the sport and to teach the sport that you're, that at one point in time, you're really good at, but you're trying to make people as better, if not better than you. And then, you know, kind of motivate them and inspire them. It was, it's a, it's pretty fun. Um, and you mentioned the uh, first coaching staff that you were on. Um, you've been a part of <clears throat> four staffs here at the University of Minnesota. Now you're leading the, the staff. Um, here's an oddball question for you. 
Can you tell me what you've probably learned from every staff? Yes, absolutely. Um, Lisa and Julie, I think coming off from being a player of theirs that then to coming and coaching with them, I, I do believe I probably learned the most in the sense of I was just wide eyed and I was I was a player. So I had to learn I had to learn the other side of it. So for me, it was, oh, this much goes into it. And I felt like I apologized to Lisa on a daily basis about things that I thought didn't know why they happened as an athlete, but then I was like, I get it as a coach. So for me, I probably learned most of those lessons early on from um, from Lisa and Julie, but then um, kind of going after that, um, Jessica Allister came over and took over and asked me to kind of be part of it. She had come from, come from the, the pack and she brought in Jessica Merchant and Jessica Merchant knew the Big Ten, but none of them knew Minneapolis or Minnesota. So they asked me to kind of stay on. And for that group, I, I never knew that you could, you know, get along with so many coaches as well as you could get along with. And I didn't know that we would click the way we did. It was a rough couple of years. I can tell you that it wasn't um, we were all you know, working towards uh, making us a winning program and um, changing the culture of everything. Uh, it was a lot of hard work, but um, I wouldn't trade it for the world, I guess, you know, just to kind of see the leaps and bounds that Minnesota's done and, you know, the barriers they broke down being a northern school and playing this sport. Um, so it was a pretty exciting time, I guess, with Jessica Allister, you know, one thing I probably learned most is you just don't take no for an answer and you just, <laughs> and then um, after Jess left to go to her alma mater, her alma mater at Stanford, um, I was a new mother. My daughter was six months old at the time. And, you know, I do, I knew I still wanted to be a coach and still wanted to lead. I just didn't know how I wanted to lead. And Jamie Traxel got hired from uh, Iowa State and she asked me to kind of stay on and I know there wasn't any anywhere else I wanted to coach and I was still trying to be like I said a, a new mother and actually still have my career so I said yes and you know there's a lot of pride and I didn't want I didn't want anything to to happen to this this program and not necessarily because I was in you know I played here but you know I put a lot of put a lot of effort towards everything that we have built so for me, it was a, it was just kind of a protection and I want to protect this, this university and this program. And, and so I said, yes. And, you know, we got to go to the college world series with that group and it was fantastic. It was very hard in its own way. And I think if I were to learn anything from Jamie, um, when she came on is, you know, it, you know, everyone's different as much as I like to say that every head coach maybe has a lot of the same traits at the end. I think we all have different traits. We really are all different. Um, you like to try to compare people to each other, but it's really hard to. So everyone's different. And then just the in order to be the best head coach that you ha you can be, you got to you got to do it your way. You can't change and be something for someone else. And then, you know, when I took over. I got to do something that I never got to do before and which is hire my own assistants. You know, I've this, this university hasn't changed for me. You know, the job descriptions changed for me a little bit, but what I do here and the pride I put into it hasn't changed, but who I get to do it with, I got to kind of have a say in that. And so it's been really exciting for me and it's been, a, you know, I got to have Katie Richardson back and, you know, got to coach her as a, as a player here mm -hmm. and then, you know, Coach Wynn, uh, Carly Wynn, she played at Florida State, went, uh, coached at Fresno and ASU. 
um, you know, she's, she's alongside with me and, you know, every day I love coming to work because, you know, they're great at what they do and they allow me to be great at what I do. Um, I've heard this uh, comment made by um, people who, who have been assistants in life or being a, an assistant and coach and then became the lead person. How much of a difference is it for you going from one chair over, as they would say, and uh, being the leader? Um, it, it is different. It's um, I've had to change some things, especially, you know, I'm always around the team. I'm just around the team in a different aspect of it. And um, it's just making sure that I make time enough for the pitchers. The I've, I spent a lot of time with pitchers, and that used, usually was the only time I had to spend. But now making sure that I was at always at hitting, I was always at the offensive part, just because I pitch, and I've been a I've been a part of that since day one. But just making sure that you know I get to kind of watch the team defense and kind of just making time for everything, I think is probably the biggest thing. And then you know for me, it's you know I, I think that I've learned is there's always something to do, but I literally only do what's really important right then and there. And most of the time that has to do with the team. <laughs> everything else can wait. What was that? I'm sorry. Every, everything else can wait. Yeah. I can. Yeah. Well, I guess when you're the head coach, those are, those are uh, the things. Um, you mentioned under Jessica Allister that uh, never taking no for an answer. And believe me, I lived that because I was never allowed to tell her no. But um, um, where was it going with this? Oh, uh, the year that we first year we won the Big Ten tournament, uh, the team had a the team meeting beginning of the season as we usually do, and some uh, guy predicted a Big Ten championship in the team meeting and was basically chased out of the room. Correct. I don't. I don't remember those things. You know, people <laughs> stories like that, or when we were into the world, someone made a comment about that that year. But for us coaches, I can tell you that you know we don't really necessarily want to jinx something, but we also you know know there's a lot of hard work with stuff, and a lot has to happen in order for championships to happen. So, I, I to be honest, JB, I don't remember that. But people also say that. They said things um, the World Series year as well, and I, I say if I did hear it, I probably blocked it out. <laughs> okay, as a as a coach and an athlete, how superstitious are you? Not at all. Okay. So as an athlete, I wasn't. I always said that you made your own luck. So, okay. And I also kind of was a big firm believer of, like, why would I let all this hard work come down to just if I'm in the right place at the right time? You know, I don't think mm – -hmm. I don't believe – I don't believe in that, even though I do know some of it comes true. But, you know, I believe that you work as hard as you can and the best possible option hopefully presents itself. And then you either work for it or get up and go again, that type of thing. So, you know, the, the tying the shoelaces a certain way, things like that. I don't want to ever want to put my my success into something that is just by chance, I guess you could say. And then as a coach, you know, you you. Everything happens differently. There's no magical, you know, you, you go through seasons, you look at like, wow, that was a that was a really great season. And then at the end, there's always a heartbreaker. Or sometimes you're like, wow, that was a really tough season at the end, you know, is awesome. So the journey is always different and you try not to compare it. Mm -hmm. 
think by not comparing it, then you don't leave it up to a luck or like this feels like this, or I think this is going to happen. You just kind of put your head down and, and notice that each, each year is different and each journey is different and you don't try to replicate. You just try to create what's going to be there. Um, if you've ever, and you probably saw me in the dugout, if, if you ever really paid attention to me, there was probably nobody more superstitious in the dugout than oh, me. Absolutely. I knew you were. <laughs> I mean, you popped signs up, JB. You, like, you did a lot of things. In fact, kind of, this is kind of a funny story. So when we moved offices, um, we, we have the old, we had a old Goldie that He's just an older Goldie. He's made out of wood. And I asked Coach Winter, Coach Rich, and she went, if they wanted to use that Goldie, um, you know, just as decoration in their office because it's kind of pretty cool. And you just don't want to throw those things away because mm-hmm. they're kind of they're kind of cool. But for whatever reason, it's got that lion's that lion's um, po- uh, it was a poster or a piece of paper that you printed out um, that were, when we were going to the College World Series, and it's still stuck on it. It's funny. So. <laughs> It's still stuck on it. They were they were even stuck on the porta potty when we were in that dugout. <laughs> I, I never put one on a porta potty. No. Someone put one on the porta potty. <laughs> must have been the 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 year I left halfway through the the World Series year, and somebody must have taken because I I gave Jamie a bunch of signs and somebody. Yeah. Must no, I think they went crazy in the in the dugout and one ended up in the porta potty, which or on it, on the outside of it, which made me laugh. <laughs> I've never known that. That's pretty. Yeah. That's pretty nice. Okay, the champion with the all was it uh, three Big Ten championships or four Big Ten championships? Why am I blanking this? In the in the past few years, anyway, um, and then a, a trip to the College World Series. Uh, what are your recollections of those seasons? Um, all of them are different. You know, I think that you, you, you take, you take different things, you know, the first, the first one in, it, I don't even know, was it 16, 15, 14, 15, 14, 14, 14, 14. Wow. Yeah. Um, 14, it was, it was just hard. It was just hard and getting there was hard and, and, um, believing in ourselves was hard and everything to get there was just really, really hard and as it should be. Right. And then it was really exciting when we won it. And then I think the next year, you know, we kind of fell short a little bit, but mm-hmm. we did we came back and the regionals was kind of a heartbreaker, um, but still awesome, but heartbreaker. And I can remember different things on each year. And then the following year we actually won it again um, at a really late night yep. and in a fashion that we like to do. And um, so that was exciting that, you know, I remember certain things and on that one a little bit. And then in, um, 17 it kind of all seemed really really easy almost too easy right Right. Um, you know we were winning we didn't know how to lose it was easy you know the team got along everything was great until it wasn't and so I I think that's kind of the thing is we never when we faced hard and when we faced adversity that we couldn't control we didn't know how to react and in turn we should have done a lot better than that we did and we didn't do it but you learn from the past right and then you know eight in 18, we didn't win. Uh, we won a uh, Big Ten tournament, and that was just a hard year. It was just a hard year, kind of learning, learning the new staff, just kind of learning who we were, we were going to be. Mm-hmm. And then in 19, 19 was there was a lot of adversity, and you know every weekend, 
when we were getting down to the end of the Big Ten, I kind of looked at our who we played, how we played, and everything like that. And I think we had faced every great pitcher um, that was out there. And I was like, well, our hitters are prepared because they have <laughs> faced them all, you know. And obviously our pitching was, you know, pitching very, very well at that time. And it was just kind of trying to, you know, trying to be the best we can when it matters the most at the end. And that's when you want to be playing your best. And sometimes you're not for whatever reasons, but we definitely kind of had our our goal set on playing really, really well and trying to get as far as we could, and which we did. We went to the College World Series. I do wish that when we got there, we played better softball because I think we were playing great softball up until regionals and super regionals. And then we kind of got to the College World Series and wasn't our best, wasn't our best softball. Well, for me, it was the dumbest decision I ever made in my life. I stepped away from uh, Gopher Athletics in February of that year, and it was always a goal of mine to either go to the Baseball College World Series or the Softball College World Series, and there it was, and I didn't get to go. So (laughs) (laughs) I will always kick myself for that, but, um, you know, you know. Sometimes you make decisions that, you know, for one reason or another, will later turn turn out for the best, and it has. But um, yes, <laughs> um, I wanted to uh, hang myself during that point. The game of softball is one of the fastest growing viewer sports in um, television these days. Why and and also uh, participation ship. Why is that so? Oh, I think across the board, I think in um, women, female sports, it's increasing. And I don't think it's just, I don't think you just see the increase in women's, in women's. If you kind of look at the data and you kind of go um, in there, I do think you're going to see that, you know, the the sport is growing in women, um, basketball and women's volleyball. You know, I I do think a lot of the team sports, they are growing um, huge numbers and you can kind of just see that in the sense of how many people want to see it on TV and how much it is getting more on TV. And so I think the numbers are always there. It's just it's them being able to put it put it on there because you have to think half of the world or half of the United States population are females. And so they're they're one if they're going to watch sports, they're probably more apt to watch female sports. So there's definitely an audience there um, to watch the sports. And I think that softball has grown it's a sport that everyone can play. It's a sport that's easily learned. It doesn't take a lot of equipment. So if you, you know, you have, you know, you have some land a little bit and you have some stuff, anyone can learn it at any age. I think that's why it might be pretty popular for everyone. And then, you know, it is pretty exciting and it is a short enough game that people don't get to, you know, doesn't take up their whole day. Like maybe some, like a football game or maybe a baseball game, that type of thing. So a little bit quicker game that most of the time is you know two hours if not a little bit over it so and there's always always seems to be some drama at some point in the game and that's uh, nowhere to look jb what's that that's only if you know where to look (laughs) no i i guess i always know where to look because i always seem to find a game that's like i'm sitting there biting off my fingernails um the one, and I made this comment to uh, Kat, who uh, she was a former assistant coach when here at, here at the University of Minnesota. The game of softball is so inclusive because 
it will take women of any height and any size and find a spot for them. Which isn't yeah. which isn't true about all other sports, basically. No, absolutely. So, for you listeners that have daughters and granddaughters, that's a sport to get them into. Um, what would you say is your coaching style as a head coach? A coaching style. You um, have one. <laughs> you know, I I definitely think that you know. At the end of the day, we work really, really hard, and you know, you, you know, you get out, you get out, you get on them. You you expect excellence. You expect them to do all the right things, but at the end of the day, you give them a big hug. You know, I think that's mine. So we, you know, a lot of times, you know, our practices are pretty intense, and there's a lot of stuff, and it's making sure that everyone's in the right spot and everyone's hustling, um, but also knowing that there's a lot of empathy at the end of the day that. You know, they are all, they are still amateurs and they are still growing and they're all still learning. And so as much as we're really hard at them in the moment and we're working to be the best softball players and the best people that we can be, um, I do know that mistakes happen. And I do know that um, one action or one thing doesn't define you. And so for me, it's just learning to learning and growing. So, and that's, that's with every rep of softball to in the classroom to us people. And so I think that's just really my leadership style in general. And my coaching style is, you know, I'm going to sit back. I'm, I'm going to let, you know, coach Wynn and coach rich, you know, if they're doing infield and outfield, they're going to kind of, you know, tell the outfielders how to throw it, you know, maybe tell the infielders, you know, where to play that type of thing. But as a group, I expect us all to act a certain way and, you know, and be engaged in things like that. And so, that's a little bit more of my style, I guess you could say, you know, obviously probably a little harder on the pitchers. I see them a day to day. I picture myself, I know exactly what, you know, what we can do with the ball, you know, that type of thing. But it's, it's really kind of at the end of the day being, being there for them, even though, even though we're pretty hard on them at practice and kind of expect them to work as hard as they can to be the best that they can be. Well, uh, let's face it. You're, you're one of the best in, in, in pitching instructing in the country let's you know in my in my humble opinion it's just you know the young women that you've developed you know we always talk about Sarah Moulton and Sarah Gronwagen and um, um, oh and Amber Pfizer but it started with somebody even before those three uh, uh, Bree Hassett who um, who for a while, they held all the strikeout records and whatnot. So it's been going on for a long time under your tutelage, and you should be very proud of yourself. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, can you talk a little bit about this year's team and maybe what, what everybody can, what people could expect from it and maybe even the Big Ten? Yeah, I mean, I... You've got to think, JB, um, this will be the first year in, I mean, this is the first year, the last two seasons we haven't played a full season. So we have one, two, three classes, mm -hmm. at, including freshmen, right? Because freshmen have a season at all. We have three classes that don't know how to play a full season. Wow. Yeah, and I think it's kind of a big deal in the sense of um, seasons are long, seasons you develop 
lot can happen in a season and not one weekend to find you. So I do think that, you know, for a lot of our athletes, it's going to be, you know, kind of learning, learning what a season is. And, you know, we have some upperclassmen that definitely know what a season's like and, you know, what it is like to see, to transition into a preseason to a big 10, but the majority of the team does not. So I think that the important thing is to just kind of, you know, keep our eyes on the prize in the sense of taking one weekend at a time, not letting the whole season get too big, not letting one, one weekend to find us and just work on getting out a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better because um, I think it's, everyone's in the same boat. We're not the only ones, but I, I do think that our sport in general, there's there's a lot of, a lot of people that are in call in college softball right now who are either on the, in the dugout or on the field who don't know what it's like for a full season. So for us, it's just making sure that we're, we're getting everything done when we need to get it done and taking it one step at a time. So it's, you know, I, I'm excited about our season and we have a tough preseason and then we're going to be excited to get, go into big tens. And, you know, I don't know how the, the schedule gets made. I don't really care because <laughs> dealt with me in the sense of Big Ten. Not, I, create, I was going to say your non-conference, you said. Yeah, I, I create the non-conference, but I'm talking about the Big Ten. And mm-hmm. you know, we we definitely like, you know, the Big Ten likes to kind of throw at us, you know, a very tough schedule, but I love it. And, you know, yeah, so it, we've down the end of it. It's going to be pretty tough all the way to the end, but hopefully that prepares us for postseason because that's what you want to be ready for. Well, and um, let's face it, you you're – you play in or you're situated in because the Big Ten is split east and west, and the west is a little bit tougher than the east. So but, the way that, the way it's driven out now, they've changed it a couple of years now. So um, it's not we're not completely split now. There's always going to be a, a handful of teams that we play on this side, mm-hmm. but we're going to play depending on our depending on um, the you know, where they, they, they end up in RPI and where we end up RPI, we get matched on the other side. So we'll, you know, if we're up on this side, we'll always play at least one, two of the toughest competition on the other side. And then there's just a third. So that allows us to have more of a competitive schedule within the big 10. So as you see, we do not play, who are we not playing this year? Um, Is it Iowa? I think it's Iowa. We don't play Iowa. So, and it's, it has nothing to do with them being on our side or their side. It's just we play three on that side, and two of them are the are, are RPI-based mm-hmm. schedule, like opponent-based, and then the other one's just in another one. And so by that happening, it takes one on this side off. So, And you'll always play your um, your travel your travel partner or whatever you want to call it. We'll always play Wisconsin. So, And will that be a weekend or midweek? Uh, Wisconsin's a it's always a weekend, yes. That's oh. the only way. We, yeah, so or not a weekend. I'm sorry, a midweek. Okay. So this year, Wisconsin's a midweek. It, last year, it was supposed to be a midweek as well. Yeah. Or no, it was a weekend last year. I don't remember. It got <laughs> it got canceled because of COVID. Right. Um, and there's probably less concern of that this year with vaccines and um, hoping. I'm hope. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to. I'm not. I'm. Not trying to be a medical expert; those are long gauze. I can barely, you know, decide if we should play in certain weather because I'm not a weatherman. <laughs> okay. Um, 
and also with this year's team, is there anybody that people should be looking, uh, keeping an eye out for? Any newcomers that may catch people's eyes, or anything um, like that? Going down the list, you know, obviously we got a, we have a freshman pitcher, uh, Emily Levitt. She's gonna she's gonna be putting some innings on for us. She's um, young, but I'm very excited about her. I think she's got um, all the skill set to be very good. So she's got to keep her. You know, stay in her lane and keep developing and keep <laughs> each weekend. You know, all those all those things, right? Right. And then um, we have two transfers. So we have McKenna Dow. She was from Auburn. Yes. She's middle infield. She's she's great. She just adds a lot of composure, just a lot of um, confidence, composure to our infield that's young. So um, it, there's no highs or lows with her. She's pretty steady. And then Lauren Espelin, she, <clears throat> she's from Cal, and she's also a grad, a grad senior, sorry, a grad senior, and she's going to be, you know, um, run around the outfield and also helping us hitting-wise. Those are kind of the newcomers. And then we have some young ones that will be getting some, um, we have Kayla Chavez, she'll be in the infield, be getting some time, and then um, Nani Valencia will also be getting some playing time as well. And then you, you also return... Um... Uh, I call her the hit woman, Natalie. Yes, we have Natalie Dinhartog. She's going to yeah. be in the outfield, kind of one of our stronger hitters. We have Megan Dre. She's going to be behind the plate a little bit at first base as well. Um, we have Sydney Stralo. She's going to be playing in the middle middle infield as well for us. And then, you know, Ellie Jensen, she's a fifth year. Um, so she's going to be kind of rounding it out in the outfield as well for us. Well, hopefully Alec. Uh, Ellie can stay healthy, and then when you have, as I used to stay from, say from the stands last year, when you have Dre and Stay, you are, you are okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, for my listeners, um, I like to tease the, uh, the players either from the stands or via Twitter. So it's just my thing. <laughs> they probably think I'm nuts, but so be it. Um, I plan to be that old old man in the stands that nobody people wonder why is he still here. <laughs> anyway, um, so how's recruiting going, and what how how are you handling recruiting? And I mean, I look on Twitter, and this video is being posted, and that video is being posted, and it's like I sit there, and I've been around the game, and I still even sit there and go, huh, they all look the same to me. <laughs> so how do you handle recruiting number one you know it was definitely good to get out um i never want to recruit from a video again just a video that was very hard um luckily i'd seen everyone that we went after but it was still hard because you hadn't seen them in a while you just never know but um it's 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 pretty back to normal a little bit you just have to kind of make sure that you stay on top of the social media and you're and you're looking at things and stuff like that but you know i I, I still like the good old watching them, good old go out and watch them and see how they compete and see how they interact and, you know, see what they're made out of. So, you know, it, it's going, it's getting there. You know, you're always in a little bit of a dull time right now because, you know, we're about ready to ramp up. But other than that, you know, we, we, we get out there and we put eyes on them and, you know, we try to find the athletes that are fit our program. A um, couple of years back, they uh, switched when you, can start recruiting players 
Is that still the case, and how has that changed things if it's still in, in place? No, yeah, I think this was the first year you really saw it kind of happen because, you know, if you talk about 23s, which are the ones that you can kind of commit, you can kind of bring on campus and basically have conversations and commit them if you want. Um, there weren't a lot of them verbaled already from the previous verbaling them when they were like sixth grade, right? Mm -hmm. The first year that you kind of really saw it, and um, it was kind of like old school recruiting where everyone's making phone calls, everyone's taking visits. Um, it was it, it was different for sure, but it also wasn't bad. You know, I, I think it was good for them. I think that the athletes are older. They might still might not know what they want. You know, I do think the real thing. There's there's they're, they're still not getting any closer to what they want or, you know, things like that. But it might be a generational thing. Um, but it, it definitely they're older. So, you know, you get to have a different conversations with them and, you know, being older, you can see if they're actually going to, you know, be able to handle college athletics. Well, and I remember those days of talking to sixth graders and wondering what the heck am I doing? Because <laughs> I don't think I remember any of this by the time, you know, my, the, the way I put it was they haven't even seen their high school locker. What are they doing here? <laughs> <laughs> Making a decision about what college they're going to. It I, happens, JB. I thought it was so unfair to the athlete. Though, yes, I agree. To uh, put them in at that age, what, 12, you know, 12 years old, 11 years old, having them trying to decide where they're going to go to college. It's like, this is insane. Where yes. any, every other sport, especially male sports, those decisions aren't being made until, you know, at least the end of their sophomore year in college, uh, high school. And it's just nuts. Um, so here's the two uh, latest things that have been thrown at head coaches and, and programs ways. Um, the uh, name, image, and likeness, or if people call it the NIL, and also the transfer portal. How are you dealing with both of those? Um, you know, the name, image, and likeness, you know, I think there's, you know, we're outside of a city, so there's lots of opportunity for student athletes to um, benefit from that, which is kind of amazing. And, you know, I, I do think that it kind of opens up and it allows them to be less restricted, whether they want to go do pitching lessons or hitting lessons, you know, there's just less restrictions on it. I do think that they don't necessarily, they need to definitely be with it because you know some of the stuff comes with a lot mm -hmm. but I think it's an opportunity for them to you know grow in different ways and hopefully hopefully it doesn't overrun our sports and that's what the only thing that people are interested in but that's kind of my fear but I don't know if that'll happen and then the transfer portal it's just it's just another app it's just another avenue to recruit so um, just kind of like going to the JC route would be it's just kind of another avenue for that so well, I heard an interview with Dabo Sweeney, <laughs> the, the head coach at um, Clemson fo uh, football, yeah. and he stated that's not a world he's going to dabble in. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Dabble's not dabbling in the transfer portal. Um, you think that would possibly be a mistake? Would that be a mistake for you? I, I, um, yeah, I do. I mean, I think that it's, I think there's something to it in the sense of, um, you know, kind of staying out of it and just making your, the main frame, the main thing is going after the younger ones and recruiting. I do think that it's a, 
you know, I do think some people don't have the luxury. If you're a academic school, high, high academic school and you're a private school, chances are you're not going to get a lot of people in, mm-hmm. so, you know, that that's kind of a thing. But for us and for our grad programs that are off, offered here at University of Minnesota, you know, it'd be a miss if I said, you know, I, we have a lot of things that offer grad grad program kids. So if they're open to doing a, a new university, why not? You know, both our transfers are grad and they were able to get into programs that they're very interested in and further their career or further their education. So for me, I think that just our university holds the uh, an experience where they, they can possibly get their grad program that they're looking for. It's not just a couple grad programs that we offer here at the university. So that's kind of interesting, but I, I don't know. I, I think football's transfer portal is a whole different animal. <laughs> yes. It's a mess. Old, <laughs> but I do, you know, I think that, I think that there's just a lot more um, people who are from, from an outsider looking in, with no knowledge of this whatsoever, just speculation. I do think that the that in football there's a lot more. Um, what would you call it? Like you know, you're not supposed to you're not supposed to contact an right. athlete. Well, yeah. there's a lot more interference happening. Maybe it's happening in our in our sport as well. But I definitely think that it's happening more in football. So yeah, Recru- I don't know recruiting an office somebody's. Roster, yeah. which is crappy. Yeah. 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 Um, you think that's happening at football at probably a, a crazy amount. Right. But, and it's, it's happening in softball. I just don't think to the same extent. Right. Well, I really appreciate you giving me your time today. Yeah. Um, good luck this season. I Thank am. You. I am really making a, trying to make a hard decision on a certain weekend in March, early March, uh, to go down to Oklahoma. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I was literally looking at uh, flights and hotels yesterday, so I'm because it would be it would warm my heart to have that mini reunion. But uh, I got to look. I and I backed away from it because I want to give myself another day or two to look at things financially but it's clearly yeah. something i want to do so <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, i yeah there's a lot of people down there so it'll be interesting so yeah well i again thank you piper i appreciate it good luck this season go get them uh we're all you know we're all rooting for you and um you know just good luck <laughs> thank you thank you baby i yeah. appreciate it and this has been piper ritter here on the JB's Low Tech Podcast. In Pennsylvania, a teenage girl that was about to turn 18 was driving her brand new car home when she looked down to check a text message and struck a tree, killing herself and injuring a friend in the car. The average message takes 4.6 seconds to create. Hi, I'm Mike Bryant from Bradshaw and Bryant. Please don't drive while intoxicated or allow your friends and family to do so. No text message or phone call is worth dying for. Find Mike Bryant at minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Mike Bryant, seeking justice for the injured.
welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. That was uh, very special to me to go back down memory lane with head coach Piper Ritter of the University of Minnesota softball program. I got to watch her grow from a, a young assistant to now to being a head coach. Uh, she's got a lot to offer any young woman that wants to come here and play. I don't want to sound like I'm trying to recruit for her. I did neglect to say, and you know, I just did two gloves for her for the uh, university softball program, two catchers mitts. That my uh, goal is to some at some point with this new name, name, image, and like likeness, maybe uh, give one of her players a hundred dollar deal or something from the JB'sGloveRepair.com. But um, again, it was so so special to uh, visit with Piper, and I'm hoping and praying that I can pull it together financially i have the time god knows i have the vacation time to go down in oklahoma city down in uh or down in uh stillwater actually and um watch uh them play and oddly enough while they're down there they're going to be playing stanford which of course is led by uh jessica allister and jessica merchant so it will be uh, re, a mini reunion, and uh, it would do my heart some good. So, again, thank you for listening, and come back and tell a friend about the JB's Low Tech Podcast. JB is my name, and f-ing up motherfuckers is my game. Right on, Negro, Black, African American, Black, Black, Black. Django, J.B. Damn, Dolomite. Great card in heaven, you know J.B. Our great Negro sex machine. J.B. Is my name, and f***ing up motherfuckers is my game. Point on. Negro, black, African-American, black, black, black. Django, J.B. Damn. Dolomite. Great card in heaven, you know. JB, our great Negro sex machine.